Saturday to um, Sunday afternoon. And I said, well, you can, I'm, I'm up for it and you can come and stay as long as you want. It's fine because I'm finished with my weird sermon. And she said, mm, okay. <laughs> and I meant that, truly. I struggled with it. And I'm going to say a whole bunch of things before I get to it, so bear with me here. <laughs> um, and I am talking about the offering, too. So when I studied this out, it covered about uh, five chapters. That's a lot. I had 10 pages of notes, which normally I have six. And I just wasn't comfortable with it, and I wasn't comfortable with it. And I said, Lord, are you sure this is you? It feels like you, but it seems so different and so weird and odd. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, break it up into segments. <laughs> Never occurred to me. So that's what I did. So I have a very short sermon this morning, which is why I'm going to say some other things beforehand. In your hymnal, you all know this song. Turn to page 366. I want to say that we have reason to trust in God. 366. When the host of Israel, led by God, round the walls of Jericho, softly trod, trusting in the Lord, though they felt the conqueror's tread, by faith they saw the victory ahead. Verse 2, David, with a shepherd's sling and five stones, met the giant on the field all alone. I could recite this without looking at the words. Trusting in the Lord, he knew what God had said. By faith, he saw the victory ahead. Daniel prayed unto the Lord thrice each day. Then into the lion's den was led the way. Trusting in the Lord, he did not fear nor dread. By faith, he saw the victory ahead. That's where the church is today. Now, we've done what we can do pretty much. We're still praying. We're still, you know, doing what we can do. It's by faith in God. It isn't by faith in our prayers. It isn't by faith in what we've done or do or who we've given to or anything else. It's through the blood of Jesus, victory ahead. And I don't want to forget that. I do not want to lose sight of that as we're waiting upon the Lord to show his hand, which I believe he will. Now, I'm going to cut this part down. I have two pages of notes about these other housekeeping matters I wanted to cover this morning. I'm going to cut it short. And then we'll talk about it in the weeks to come. A few weeks back, we got this book from the Pentecostal Church of God. And as those of you who all know the church, we subscribe to their 
uh, doctrinal faith statement, but we're not really affiliated with them in any other way. We used to be years and years ago, but we, we still follow their uh, statement of faith and their doctrinal points, but we're not tied to them in any way, not in a monetary way. But I picked this book up because we hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen one of these in years and years and years. And I read the first few pages of this. And the reason I am bringing this to you today is I really believe that we should contribute towards the need in Ethiopia. The lockdowns here have been horrible. The lockdowns there have been catastrophic. They are starving. Even the missionaries don't have enough food to eat. And I wanted to bring this to the church. I've asked Don if it's okay if we could give a contribution from the church funds, but I would like for you to have an opportunity to contribute towards that if you so desire. And if you do, you can designate it on the little memo line of your, um, of your check or in the missions envelope, whatever you want to use, that it's for Ethiopia, for the missionaries in Ethiopia. They're not allowed to, um, trucks cannot move to deliver food. Farmers cannot sell their crops. They're not allowed to sell their crops. Imports have stopped and the food prices that are available have risen very sharply. So the internet is very sporadic and very hard to reach out for help. The local pastors and their leaders are hungry and in dire straits. And that's all I'm going to say. I'll, we'll talk about it more later. But if you want to give a gift, you can give it today. You can give it next week. We'll probably wait till, I don't know, a couple of weeks from now before we send it in and collect what we can on top of what we agreed, the board agreed that the church would give a contribution work together. Lord, are you sure this is the message you want me to bring today? But I think we'll see some parallels in this first chapter of Daniel that we can apply to exactly what we're experiencing today. So, Father, we just thank you that all things work. All things work, Lord, to the benefit of those who are called according to your purpose whether it's the weird message that a crazy pastor puts together and doesn't know what to do with it, and you straighten it out in their spirit, Lord, I'm so thankful. And whether we can see parallels today, Lord, in what's going on, show us, Lord, how our faith can move mountains. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. So the first six chapters, oh, did, if you want to take the offering now, okay, we'll go ahead. The first six chapters of the book of Daniel are full of familiar stories that we all know. And the thing I think that I really realized is how prominent the gifts of the Holy Spirit were in the books, in these first few uh, chapters of the book of Daniel. Of course, we know that the 7th through the 12th chapters of Daniel are the prophetic in time chapters, and we'll save that for another time. But for the next few weeks, I'm going to go through each of these chapters. I might combine two of them, but 
uh, we're going to look at some of these stories and representations of God's power and moving in situations that were absolutely impossible. The background of this I'm calling pulse, as in your pulse, and peas. And we'll see what that has to do with each other. So in the first chapter, we are introduced to King Nebuchadnezzar. He became the king of Babylon when his father, King Nabopolassar, big, big names, died while Nebuchadnezzar was in Jerusalem besieging the city. And both kings were named after a god, one of the two primary gods of Babylon. The first primary god, of course, was Bel, Baal, was his son. So we, all the, we know all of those combinations of Bel and Baal. And then there was the god named Nebo. And this is who um, Nebuchadnezzar and his father, uh, Nabopolassar, were both named after the god Nebo. Nebo was the god of scholars and astrologers. So in this lineage of the king, the two kings, were, were uh, very scholarly men and astrologer, astrologers. It's interesting that as time went on, the Greeks adopted this same god, but they renamed him Hermes. I'm sure you've heard in Greek mythology about Hermes, and the Romans adopted the same god Nebo as Mercury. Odd that they would choose the same god, but rename them. So when Nalo Polisar died, his son Nebuchadnezzar quickly left Jerusalem and went back to Babylon to care for his father's burial and all of that and assume the throne. But he left his army in Jerusalem to finish capturing them and to spoil the city and the temple and then to carry out the king's very precise orders, which was to capture the choicest of the Israelites to serve in the king's army. So verses three and four list Nebuchadnezzar's requirements for these people whom he wanted uh, captured to bring back to be his servants. They must be princes, youths, physically unblemished, handsome in appearance, skillful in wisdom and knowledge, proficient in the sciences, and refined and polished enough to hold their own when standing before kings and magistrates. So among those who met these qualifications were the four sons of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, four brothers. The custom was to rename captives and slaves with a Chaldean name. So this was in order to show domination and servitude. And so these brothers were given the names Belteshazzar, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were the brothers of Daniel. And Daniel was their spokesperson. My commentary pointed out that this period of time <clears throat> 
took place during a very important period of world history and development. For it was around the years 610 through 620-ish BC when the first of two science eras exploded on the world. And this uh, took place mostly in Egypt and Babylonia. And the Babylonians gave birth to these following sciences. Mathematics, metallurgy, which is the study of metals, anatomy, astrology, the measurements of the solar and lunar cycles, tracing the paths of the planets, the division of the circle into 360 degrees, and the designation of the constellations and zodiac. That's a lot to spring on the world in a short period of time. Of course, they were developed as years went on, but this was the beginning point of these sciences. And scripture tells us that Daniel and his brothers were well-schooled in all of these sciences, as Babylon had huge libraries and historical records, and the palace provided very specialty education for those that would be courtiers to the king. And the king had ordered his eunuch, his head eunuch, Melzar, to give all of those who were in this training position his own food and drink. Each of the trainees were to have a portion of the king's food and drink in order to fatten them up and ensure that their countenance would be presentable to the king when he would meet with them. But there was one little problem. Daniel and his brothers refused to eat the king's meat because it had not been properly butchered or prepared in the way, and it had been offered to idols. So it was not in accordance with the Mosaic law that they had been taught all of their lives. So the impetuous king in order, ordered them to be killed. But God had given Daniel favor with the king's unit, Melzar, who had been assigned to watch over them, so Daniel made a deal with him. He set up a test for 10 days to prove whether or not they would be just as robust on their own diet as they would if they had eaten the king's meat and drink. So in verses 14 and 6 through 16, it says, So Melzar consented to them in this matter and proved them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar the eunuch took away the portion of the king's meat and wine, and he gave them pulse. P-U-L-S-E, pulse. Now, I did not know what pulse was, and I looked it up. And it is a mixture of seeds, which would be sown, including vegetables and grains, such as wheat and barley, rye, peas, beans, and lentils. Now, the commentary pointed out this is not in support of vegetarianism, but it was in recognition of the, children of the children of Israel, the Hebrew brothers, staunch commitment to honor the laws of God on the killing 
and the dedication of meat, that it was not to be offered to idols and that it was to be butchered the way they, they taught them to do it. So it, chapter one closes with verse 19, and the king communing with all his courtiers, but when he tested them, he found none who could compare to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in all matters of wisdom and understanding. And he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers. Now these were not children, these were grown men that were in all of his realm. And Daniel continued in the palace even into the first year of King Cyrus. So God preserved these four faithful young men and blessed them mightily, physically, mentally, and spiritually, and he seated them in high places in the king's court because they remained faithful to God. So in closing, what are some of the nuggets that we can draw out of chapter 1? God rewarded them, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for their faithfulness to him and to his laws, for setting themselves apart from the culture surrounding them. I really appreciated what you said, Jennifer, about I, I know exactly where you're at because I was in HR for 30 years and you cannot in HR, be vocal about certain things and such things. Everyone personally knew who I was and what I stood for, but publicly, no, it's, it's, not, it's not done. And I do agree that we need as a church, what Terry said, we need to infiltrate. My whole street, uh, up to about three or four, uh, houses beyond my house have signs and lights and things that I do not, do not support and agree with at all on them, very boldly displaying their, their uh, stand and their, their political uh, position. I've been praying, God, and I have a very contentious neighbor very contentious neighbor who says he's a Christian. I want my testimony. I want my light to shine somehow in that darkness. Somehow. I had a dream not too long ago that the family to the, to the right of me, and I won't get into why there's issues in this yet because I don't feel it's time. Someday I probably will. But they have two little children, little tiny ones. And I had a dream one day that something was wrong and they came and knocked on my door and asked me if I would help. And I said, of course I will help. And I, I, don't, I think I was babysitting the children while they took care of some important thing or something, I don't remember. But God help us to find ways to be a light. Find ways to set ourselves apart and not partake of the king's meat. Not partake of that which we know is wrong. And 
no matter what the cost, because there will be a cost. There will be a cost, because the next chapter tells us what happens to Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach and Abednego. We'll go over that next week. Similar to how he did with Joseph, God uh, protected him and bettered him in Egypt when he was sold into slavery by his own family. God turned what could have been a dire situation of captivity for him into an important opportunity to excel and flourish and influence Egypt for the kingdom of God. And three and lastly, I thank God for this example of being set apart that even when times get very tough, and I think probably what's going on in the church today is there are churches who are deciding, am I strong enough? Do I believe this enough to stand up for what I believe in? And I believe there are churches who are not going to take that choice and stand. When the pressure is on and the persecution hits, that is the time to remember, by faith we see the victory ahead. And what was once delivered to the saints and counted or contended for, to stand up for our faith and our faithfulness to God, whatever that cost, knowing that he will reward us openly because his word says so. Father, we just thank you and I pray, Lord, that this word will penetrate our hearts and that you will open our spirits, Lord, to know how and when to stand up and be faithful, Lord, we don't want to be contentious just to be contentious. We want to be led of the Spirit. We want to hear your word and tell us when it's time to march around the walls and when it's time to let out a shout and you do the work. In Jesus' name, amen. Don. Every, uh, every Sunday morning, typically, or often on Sunday mornings, I have a song in my heart um, and I often wonder why do I have that song in my heart I in, in the days that dad was ill that was happening a lot every Sunday it seemed I had a song in my heart um, and I don't sing well but I do it anyway around the house just to entertain the kids if nothing else um, and today the song was victory ahead and so when mom brought that out I was like ooh. That's, that's, I mean, I was singing it kind of, I sing it with a bit of an accent, I won't tell you what, but I have, I have fun with it, and, uh, and, uh, but I thought, I wonder, I wonder if, you know, there's a purpose for this, because I'm praying for victory, and I have settled in my spirit that however that comes, it's coming, and so we're trusting in the Lord to do it his way, which is the best way. None of us here believer, as believers can object to the way in which God brings about victory. And so we have faith that the victory is his. I think I have a little more this morning because 
of my song, my silly singing, but it was, it was implanted there by the Lord, n not for no purpose, but to encourage that, that there's a victory ahead. It, it, there's a victory ahead. And, and tell yourself that. The victory is ahead, and it's his, and it's his way. And so we continue to pray day in and day out for this country, for the needs of the people of this country and the church and each one of us. But we do so with the confidence and faith that there is a victory ahead. And I mean, the, that song, each verse is a story from the Bible of, a, of an incredible victory. And uh, I have been struggling, as maybe many have, with um, hearing what we hear day in and day out. It's, it's kind of ugly and has been all year, and not just all year, for many years. Uh, from voices that I would kind of position as the prophets of Baal. They're loud and they scream blasphemies. And uh, it, was a, it was a sermon that, that dad was giving uh, or preparing when he got diagnosed with cancer and he couldn't come that week. That would have been uh, the, the, the week following the 31st of January uh, 2019. Uh, he gave that sermon back in May of uh, 2019 when he got back from uh, physical therapy, not only after chemo, but after a back surgery. And uh, finally gave that, that sermon, which was how long waver ye between two opinions. And it was directed to the, it's the story from 1 Kings where Elijah, he, he'd been in hiding. The prophets had pretty much all been killed um, Obadiah, who served under King Ahab, had hidden away 11 or 11, 100 prophets in caves and was feeding them in secret so Jezebel could not kill them. And Elijah presented himself to Obadiah as Obadiah and Ahab were running throughout the land looking for, I think, grass or, you know, food. They were starving. And, um, Elijah presented himself to Obadiah, who was faithful to God, undercover, in secret, um, at, 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 you know, at, at risk of being killed by Jezebel. And he said, go tell Ahab that I'm here. And he said, I can't do that because I'll tell Ahab you're here and the Spirit of God will whisk you away and then we'll come here and I'll get killed because I lied to Ahab. And he said, tell him and I'll be here. And Ahab came. Um, you know, probably with an intent that Elijah would soon be killed uh, because that was the purpose of Jezebel. But he said, bring together all the prophets of Baal. I think there were hundreds of them. And set up uh, altars and split apart uh, an ox on the altars, put wood under the altars and have them pray to their gods and call down fire to burn the fire to burn the sacrifice on the altar and they did they did so from morning till noon he mocked them at one point you know you know the story right where maybe they're sleeping maybe your gods are sleeping maybe they're uh meditating or something you know and they got even more desperate until the point that they were cutting themselves with blood running all over themselves throwing themselves on the altar and screaming for fire to come down. And finally, it, 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 it didn't happen. They couldn't make it happen. They screamed and they cut themselves and they wailed and it didn't happen. 
And then Elijah said, I'm just one. I'm only one prophet of God. Only one left. All by myself here. And, and he had to prepare himself his own uh, altars. And you know the story. He, they dug trenches around the altars at his instruction. And he said, fill them with water again and again and again. Three times. Cover the sacrifice. Cover the wood. And cover uh, and fill the trenches with water. And the commentary on that said that there were so-called prophets or magicians that would hide fires under the ground and have air tunnels that they could then boost air up through the ground and burn there and have fire appear from under the ground. He didn't want there to be any question as to how sacrifices burned. And so you know the story. He prayed a simple prayer, a very simple prayer. And he had already commanded the people of Israel, how long halt you be between two opinions? You have to choose. The majority of Israel was, was worshiping Baal. So he said, you choose, Baal or God. And of course, the fire came down after a very simple prayer. It was already set up by God. Elijah was just doing what God said to do. And the fire came down and it burned the sacrifice. It came not from underneath the way fires typically would. You know, you put the wood under the sacrifice and you burn it from underneath. The fire came from above and it burned everything down to dust into the ground and consumed all the water. And it said, this caught my, my attention when I read this last night. It said that, in the commentary it said, Elijah knew that he had the attention of the people of Israel and an opportunity, and he used that opportunity to go collect every prophet of Baal and immediately, immediately put them to death. Didn't want to let that infection continue any further. And that caught my attention. So I thought, you know what? We ha we're surrounded by prophets of Baal right now, but they don't have the victory of Jesus. They have a lot of wailing, gnashing of teeth, cutting, bloodletting, demonic processes, certainly demonic backing, but they don't have the victory of Jesus. They're not going to bring a victory. They're not going to bring the fire down to prove their power of their gods because they don't have it. And on the other hand, God has all power, all authority, and all victory, and he's going to prove himself in a way that can't be anyone but him. He's done it throughout time, and we have faith that he's going to do it now, today, in, in his time. But, you know, we have to have the faith to trust him. Trust him to do it his way. Whatever way that may be. I know I've written this year a hundred scripts for God. This is how you could do it. Look at this. Wouldn't this be wonderful? Wouldn't this be great? I did the same thing when dad was sick. Wouldn't it be an amazing testimony that everyone would get saved that heard it? He knows better. So let's trust him. And I'm encouraged by the victory ahead. As, as, as silly as it was me walking around singing that this morning. Um, and I was mentioning in my prayer when we prayed victory. He's got the victory. Because I couldn't remember the name of the song during my prayer. But that was the song, Victory Ahead. And mom pulled out the book and started reading. And I, I don't know the verses to the song. I only know the chorus. So I skipped down 
to the chorus, victory ahead, victory ahead. That's, I don't, and that was the only part of the verse, or the, the chorus that I knew anyway was victory ahead, and that's the only part I sing at home. Victory ahead, victory ahead. I know the tune, but we have the victory in him. It's, we can sing it in closing, but first let's take the offering. We're gonna take two, we're gonna take one for, um, the Ethiopian missions, as Mom mentioned, a special offering today for those in another region also doing a work for the Lord. When people are starving, it's real. It's real. The starvation in those times in Israel had the King Ahab searching the land for food. The king was looking for food. Not necessarily Jezebel. It didn't say she was out doing anything, but the king was out scouring the land for food. And you know where the food came from? After God proved himself on that sort of battlefield of sorts, he told Elijah that a rain was coming. And Elijah went up to the mountaintop and, and, and sought the Lord while Ahab was down in the valley or whatever eating and, and, and just taking care of himself. Apparently he had food. But um, the Lord told Elijah that a rain was coming. And that's when he sent his servant out seven times to go look for a cloud. And it was the seventh time that he said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. I'm not sure what that cloud looked like, but Elijah said, that's it. That's it. That's the sign from God. A cloud the size of a man's hand is confirmation that deliverance is here. And it says that he got up, girded his loins, and ran a distance that was 30 miles and outran King Ahab on, and his chariots. Um, that's pretty amazing. Uh, pretty amazing for a man to run 30 miles faster than chariots. That's the victory of God. So God, can, and, he, and he brought the rains and he brought the deliverance. He brought the food and, and answered the needs of the people once again. So we're going to pray this morning for the people in Africa and, and, and an anointing over this offering that we're taking. As mom said, give what you can, give what you feel led to give, and the church is going to make sure it meets a certain amount. Heavenly Father, we pray for all those in need today, starving around the world. God, this, this virus and the lockdowns, honestly, the lockdowns around this virus have caused so much damage so much pain, so much destruction, Lord God. We just, in agreement today, Lord God, and in the name of Jesus, we pray that you throw this virus down. Throw this virus down and all the destruction it has caused, mighty God. All the destruction that man has caused in its name. And we pray for the people of Ethiopia. We pray for the people of Africa. And we pray for these missionaries that are struggling to deliver the word of God in the face of lockdowns that are keeping them from doing so. And not only that, but bringing economic destruction and ultimately starvation. And we pray your anointing over this offering today, mighty God, that you bless it, Lord God, that you let it be more than it is in practice, Lord, that you bring an anointing over all who give and all who receive. In your mighty name we pray, amen.
but still don't know the words. I know victory ahead, and I think that's the point. I think, uh, I think we see the giants lining up out on the field around us. And so we're going to need to be in constant prayer, gather our stones, and head out. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the victory is directly ahead. We thank you that the victor has already won the battle. The battle is yours, not ours. We thank you for your word to this church day after day and year after year that's come to pass again and again and again, and we don't doubt you today when you tell us that there's a victory ahead. We thank you, God. We worship your mighty name. We continue, Lord, to seek you in prayer through the week, Lord God, that you give us your direction, that you give us your orders, Lord God, that we may answer the call and do your bidding as our master, as our savior, as our deliverer, and as our victor. We give you all praise and glory that is due your name today. Be with us each day as we go. Preserve us, Lord God, as we go, as we travel, as we head out into this world. And as mom said, let our light shine. Give us every opportunity to minister to those around us. Give us every opportunity to be bold, to stand up, and to let your light shine, and to let your word go forth. In your name we pray, amen.